Oh, what an important truth uh, to, to cling to when the night is holding on to me. God is, is holding on. Sometimes I feel like there's a, a song we sing and, and I come up to preach after and I think, oh, I don't need to preach. Um, that, 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 that is a truth that we need to cling to, um, especially in, in days that we're just kind of overwhelmed by all that is going on in the world. I want to take a, a quick informal poll, uh, a quick informal poll about your favorite season of the year. How many of you just love summer? Summer is your season. If all the kids were here, they'd be having their hands up. up. Yeah, there they are. <laughs> uh, spring. Winter. Fall. I love fall too. I love fall too. How many of you, it's because of the pumpkin spice stuff? Yeah, you, you can admit it. You can admit it. Uh, for, for me, one of the things that, that I absolutely love about fall is, is sports. And I actually said to, to my wife, Haley, uh, I, I was reflecting on my sermon. I said, I talk a lot about sports in the sermon, and I'm not that guy, and I don't want to be that guy, but I am that guy. Um, so, so this is my favorite time of the year in the sports world. From soccer, soccer, soccer Saturdays, you know, sometimes I'll spend the whole day at the AYSO field on Saturdays right now. You know, I'm, I'm the team parent for my youngest kid, and, and Haley is, my wife is the coach for our oldest daughter. Uh, to, to fall baseball, I'm going to be running right after church to go and coach my son's baseball team. Um, to all that's going on with college sports, with college football, and uh, with professional football, I, I said to a couple folks walking into church, today's game day. And it's not just NFL game day. It's also our softball game day. Our church softball league kicks off today. It's, 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 it's game day. I love the season even when our weather doesn't want to agree with the type of season it is. And then there's, there's baseball. Then there's professional baseball. And, and, and I know baseball is, is one of those things that's either hit or miss. People either like it or, or don't because the season is so dang long. The season's 162 games long. And so, but this is the time of the year that if your team is in it, you're paying attention. You're paying, because it's the playoff hunt. And then the World Series is just around the corner. Baseball is one of those games that, that it just feels like goes on and on and on and on and then you get to this place you get to this place in the season where things switch we're in the home stretch of the season well that's that's kind of where we are in in the book of romans right now by the end of october we will have journeyed through the entire letter we 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 took some time earlier in the year and we we went through the first part uh, and then we took a break for lent then we continued with a, another part from Lent until the summer, and then we took a break during the summer and spent some time in Psalms. And then uh, now summer's over. We're back in the, in the fall, and we're, we're picking up Romans again. And so again, by the end of October, we will have journeyed through the entire uh, letter of, uh, to Paul's church in Rome. And this morning we're picking up uh, in chapter 12, and we'll cover the last fourth of the book or so in the coming weeks. At this point in the, the letter, uh, Paul has covered what he considered to be the basics of the gospel. Salvation. God's desire to be in relationship with God's people. The sovereignty of God. The idea that God always holds God's people in God's hands. 
For, for Paul, in its simplest form, the gospel is, is defined by God moving toward humanity. By God moving over and over again toward His creation to remind them, to remind us that we are loved. And that, that really comes through the person of, of, of Jesus. And, and, and as we read earlier from chapter 1, that is how the righteousness of God is revealed. Is revealed. So for the next eight weeks, we'll be talking about our response the people of God, our response to God's movement toward us. Asking ourselves the question of how do we today live by faith as people who have been made right by God because of what God has done for us. So starting at uh, verse 1 of chapter 12, we read this. Therefore, maybe... Therefore, therefore, because of Jesus, therefore, because the righteousness of God has been revealed, therefore, because we've been adopted and welcomed into the family as co-heirs with Christ, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is serving. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Typically, when we we look at at this passage, we we focus on two parts. First is what Paul writes in in verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is is deeply concerned with with how we think, with what we focus our attention on. And he he knew in in this time that if the, the, the people in the church in Rome were going to make an impact on their city... It would come through not thinking too highly of themselves, of being different from the rest of of society. They'd be noticed because they loved differently, because they thought of their neighbors differently than than everybody else did, because they cared for their outcast, for the outcast, and because they knew they had a purpose that was greater than themselves, and that all started with how they thought. Now, the same is true for us today. 
If we as a church are going to have an impact on our town, on our city, uh, on our community, on, on the world, it's going to be because of the way that we love and serve others. And the way we think of our place in this world. We'll be talking about how we as a church relate to the rest of the world uh, and next week, but, but today we're focusing on how that transformation takes part in our own community, in our church. So when we, we turn to the first part of Romans 13, we either, uh, Romans 12, excuse me, we either think about the, the, the transformation of our minds as we do in, in, in verse 2, or we look at the end of the passage. So it's either focusing on that, that transformation of our minds, or we look at the, the end of the passage. And, and we're going to get there in a few minutes. But before those two thoughts, there's this really important line. And it's really easy to gloss over if we're not paying attention. In verse 5, we read, In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, this idea of being in Christ, I've talked about it here before, it's one of the most important concepts in, in, in Paul's mind. So, so he writes about it often. Here's just a, just a few places that, that he writes about it. We receive grace in Christ. We're redeemed in Christ. We are justified in Christ. We are forgiven in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. We're a new creation in Christ. We're presented perfect and fully mature in Christ. What Paul is trying to remind us of here, or remind his, his readers, the churches that he's writing to of here, is that at the core of our call, at the core of our call to live together as a community is Christ. Transformation begins in Christ. It doesn't just come in our minds. It, it takes place in our, our life together as we live in Christ. We are together in Christ when we're, we're, we're alone. And I know that might sound funny. <laughs> But, but I'll, I'll talk about how we're together and what we do on our own in, in, a, in a minute. And together in Christ when we gather together. So uh, yesterday was opening day. I mentioned opening, uh, I mentioned Saturday, soccer Saturday earlier. Yesterday was, was opening day for AYSO in our neighborhood. And, and I feel like I mentioned this every fall. And that's why I said I really have become the sport guy who only talks about sports, but it's, it's where I am right now. Um, our, our daughters are on opposite end of the soccer spectrum. Our, our youngest daughter, the, the one who I'm the team parent for, uh, her, her team is just excited to wear the uniform. They only meet on Saturday. It's wonderful. For one hour, they practice for a half hour. Then they play four five-minute quarters. It's all kinds of fun. Complete chaos. And what's the best part of Saturday? Team snack. It's like coming to church. What's the best part of church? It's the snacks. It's the snacks. Our oldest uh, is, is in an older division, and, and she has practiced twice a week in addition to her game. Her team is, is learning to spread out, to play different positions, to, to pass the ball, and, and Coach Haley led them to a win in their first game. 
They're figuring out how to function together as a team. But, but it's a huge difference between what the five-year-olds and six-year-olds are doing and what the 12U team are doing. When Paul writes that we are, are one in Christ, he's inviting us to look at the big picture of, of what we're doing, to see it all into how we can all work together to move forward. Over the last two years or so, the, the, the church has changed a lot. A lot. The church has changed a ton. Not just us here at Westminster. The church in general has changed a lot. There was already a, a decades-long movement of people who claimed to be spiritual, but, but not religious. Of, of folks who said, yeah, I, I follow Jesus, but yeah, church, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about church. And the pandemic, it, it pushed that to a, a whole nother level. There's an overwhelming amount of people who claim to be followers of Christ who, who just aren't involved in their local church at all. And at times, that's, there's good reason for it. They've been hurt. They don't trust the church. They, they don't trust the pastor. They don't trust the, the members. At times, there's, there's really, really good reasons for folks kind of distancing themselves from the church, but holding true to what they, they claim to believe. I'm not sure exactly what Paul would write to today's church. I'm not sure. To those who are, are, are active in their local church and, and, and those who aren't. But I'm guessing some of it some of it would be what he writes to the church in Rome here. It is so incredibly important for followers of Christ to be involved in their local church community. I was, I was texting with a, a friend this morning. Um, this, this friend coaches his son's travel ball team, and so he hasn't been in church for about four years. Devout follower of Jesus. He says, I, I'm streaming, I'm, I'm watching church, I'm, I'm, I'm watching church, I'm, I'm participating, I'm involved, devout follower of Jesus. But he hasn't been actively engaged because he's been crazy busy, as, as most parents are. But it is so incredibly important for followers of Christ to be involved in their local church. And I'm not just talking about what goes on here on Sunday morning. So, so don't, don't hear me shaming everybody who's at the baseball field right now, all my friends who are at the baseball field right now that I'm going to go join in a minute. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. It is so incredibly important to be involved in your local church because it's in your local church that, that we are known. So it's in our local church that we can share celebrations with one another. It's in our, our local church that we can carry one another's burdens together that we can grow together, that we can struggle together. It's in our local church that we, we have conversations about faith with people with whom we disagree. It is so important to be involved in a local church community. And again, it's about so much more than just coming to, to worship on Sunday morning. So Paul, he, he often uses this illustration of one body with, with many members to describe the church when one part suffers, the whole part does. When one, one part is honored, the whole body rejoices. That's what the local church does together. This togetherness is, is one of the reasons uh, as well that diversity within a single church community is so important. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul talks uh, about the foot not turning to the rest of the body and saying, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong, or, or because the, the ear turning and saying, hey, I'm not an eye, I, I don't have a place. Paul is, is saying, hey, it's important that we, we all have a place in the church and it's important that we all look and sound different and, and come from different generations and different backgrounds because that's when we're the body. If we all look and sound the same, if we're all born from the same generation, if we all have the same sort of background and upbringing, we become a church of ears, a church of feet. If we only read scripture with people who share our same perspective or only go to worship in a place where we, we know all the words to the worship songs or the hymns, in one way or another, we miss out. We're incomplete. It's one of the reasons that, that we strive to be an intergenerational church here at WBC. It's so kids can, can learn from us but also because we have a lot to learn from them. One of my, my favorite lines, and I, and I think I've, I've shared this here before, but one of my, my favorite lines about learning from, from children comes from a, a book written by a guy named Sky Jethini, and, and he writes this, A child is precious in God's kingdom because her imagination has not yet fallen asleep. The culture's conventionality has not yet hijacked her ability to believe. To a child, the world is still full of mystery and possibility. A, world can calm a, a word can calm a storm. A few fish and loaves can feed thousands. A touch can heal the blind. A child can readily imagine the alternative reality of God's kingdom that adults struggle to see. That's why diversity of all kinds is important. That's why it's important that kids are a part of our community, not just because of what's coming, but we benefit from the way that their minds have been transformed, the way that they think. We learn from our kids. We, we gain a more complete understanding of God's kingdom when we're together with them. When we worship, play, learn, and grow with people in our church who, who look at the world differently from the way that we do. So Paul, he, he goes as far as saying that those who are in Christ, that they actually belong to one another. And in Romans 15, he, he expands on that idea, saying that we need to follow Jesus' example of welcoming one another so that we can live in harmony. So the answer to, to the why followers of Jesus need to be plugged into a, a local church isn't that if they're not here, they'll be punished. It isn't that they'll, they'll somehow miss out on all the answers that are given every time they, they go to church. That's not what it's about at all. Far from it. It's because we experience the power of the gospel when we are together. We experience the power of the gospel when we are together. So yesterday, we gathered in this place with a few hundred people to remember Nicola Montes to wrap our arms together as a community around her family, the power of the gospel felt in a tangible way. When our softball team gets together later this evening for our first game, the power of the gospel felt in a tangible 
way. Throughout the week, when the children laugh in the preschool, the power of the gospel felt in a tangible way. During small group gatherings, shoot, even during committee meetings, elders hear this, during session meetings, the power of the gospel felt in tangible ways. That's what we are aiming for. When we're in Christ together, our relationships change through tears, through laughter, through everything in between. And it's in that community in Christ that we're also given the opportunity to use our individual gifts. Paul lists seven, seven of them in, in verses 6 through 8. And, and while they're connected, they all have a different function. And they all contribute to the transformation of a church community. When, a, when the whole isn't functioning, or I should say when a part of the whole isn't functioning, think about this just practically. When a part of your car isn't working, the whole car suffers. Right, Stu, when my bike brakes aren't working, messes with the whole bike. When a part isn't working well, the the whole body suffers. So he he lists these prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leading, showing mercy... We, we, we don't have time to cover each of the, the individual gifts, although we, 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 could, we could spend some time doing that. We, we don't have time to cover them all, but, but they're, just for a moment, I, I want to unpack a, a line that can come across as, as confusing, kind of clunky in the English language. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, it's really easy to, to read this, this line and think, oh, there's different levels of grace because of the way that we think about according. So you know what? If Darv has been given more grace, he's got more gifts. That's not at all what is happening here. That, that's not what is happening here. All seven gifts are considered gifts of grace. They just look different. The according to God's grace line that's included here, it reminds us that God's grace doesn't just save us. It doesn't just make us a part of the family. It doesn't just bring us in as co-heirs with Christ. God's grace, according to God's grace, is what equips us with gifts. It's what empowers us to serve in the community. It equips us for ministry. And whatever gift it is that we've been given, we need to find ways to use it for God's glory. It's the entire reason that we we talk about stewardship as much as we we do here. We want everyone to have the experience of using their gift of grace. Because as you use that gift, our community is changed and you individually are changed. It transforms our, our entire life together. So as we we launch into this fall season, essentially a new year of ministry here at WPC, I want to invite us to take a bit of inventory. Do you have a place that you're using your gifts? Just ask yourself that question. Do you have a place that you're using your gifts? Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leading, showing mercy. We might not use those exact same words in in, in our language today. But a lot of what we do here 
together is summarized by those seven gifts. Do you even know what your gifts are? Do you? And if you don't have a place to serve or or aren't sure what those gifts might be, let me know. Let's go grab coffee and talk about it. Let me know. Be happy to sit down and chat. And then secondly, how are we doing as a community that is defined as one that is in Christ? Let's just ask ourselves that question. Are we really defined by that first, a community that is in Christ? We need, we need to ask that. Or are there other things that have allowed to kind of sneak in and co-opt our identity as a church? If so, what are they? And then thirdly, what needs to happen for us to continue to experience that transformation that Paul talks about here? So first, do you have a place that you're using your gifts? And if you don't, you don't know what they are, let me know. Let me know. Second, um, how are we doing? Let's take some inventory. How are we doing as a church that is in Christ? And then thirdly, what needs to happen for us to continue to experience transformation as a community? Let's pray. Loving God, may we be a church that is shaped and empowered by your grace. Renew us, transform us, so that we can be the people, the the church that you would have us be. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.